You're listening to Ordinary to Badass, episode number two. Today's guest is Kate Dillon, and we'll be talking about Google, gratitude, and all things racing. Stay tuned to hear her badass story. Be confident, be bold, be authentic, but don't forget to take action. This is Ordinary to Badass, where our stories empower women to step into the spotlight of their own lives and pursue what they're truly passionate about. It's time to step into the arena and become more than just extraordinary. It's time to become a badass with your host, Marie Sonneman. Today's guest is Kate Dillon. Kate, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, super excited to have you on the show. But first off, before we go any further, I've got to ask you, do you consider yourself to be ordinary or badass? Oh, I'm definitely a badass. Love it. <laughs> Just own it. <laughs> Just own it. Absolutely. <laughs> first, can you go ahead and share a short bio so we can get to know you a little bit better? Sure. Um, you'll find on all my social media profiles that it always says, um, Kate Dillon, I'm the girl who sells race car parts. And that's my main business is I run a website where I sell race car parts. But on top of that, that's led me to teaching people about e-commerce, you know, from my experience of selling race car parts. And now I've even working with racers about uh, learn, teaching them about marketing and teaching them about sponsorship. And along the way, I love sharing all the other little things that I do and that I learn. And I love sharing that with my audience. Awesome. How did you get into racing? I know it's kind of a crazy story. The short version is my dad was a race car driver. So people go, oh, okay, I totally get that. But the truth was I was away from it for more than 20 years. And my dad and my brother were doing this trade show, a racing trade show. I was working in architecture and they invited me back to North Carolina because they needed someone to handle like the sales and marketing. And it doesn't really matter what job I do. I always end up selling and marketing. So, <laughs> so they invited me back for that. And I just saw that there was just this particular segment in the racing market that had no representation or they they had representation but it was so general and nobody was really speaking to their exact need and i was like oh my gosh somebody should do something and when i ever i say those words usually that someone i usually mean myself <laughs> so so i teamed up with an engine builder who actually is my boyfriend and his brother and we're partners and that's how we started uh, the website crateinsider.com i do all the running of it but they actually have a lot of the tech information and, and it got me down that, got me down the path. Uh, started it six years ago. So launched April 1st of 2014. Cause you know, that's smart to, to uh, launch your business on April fool's day, but uh, <laughs> you know, you know, get it out there as soon as you can. Right. And totally. we've grown from 30 products to over 650 from that first year doing less than a hundred thousand and doing this. Now we do multiple six figures. We're going to be in the high six figures this year, probably seven next year. So uh, yeah, from nothing, from absolutely nothing. That's my yeah, story. That's so awesome. So when you first got into it, I imagine it's a male dominated field. Was that intimidating to you at all? Honestly, no, uh, I wasn't intimidating because I came from architecture. And so all of my, all of my um, coworkers in architecture were male. I, I am actually trained as an interior designer. That's my degree. So then I did work for a few male-owned company, but, but I've had a lot of jobs where I've been surrounded by men. And you're absolutely correct. 
93% of my audience is men by far. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. I can totally relate. I work in law enforcement, so I can relate to working in a male dominated field. Yes. And I don't think you have to turn masculine, but we just have to communicate with them in a way that makes more sense. So I had kind of have a mantra of brevity is king. You know, if I can say something in eight words instead of 15, I'll say it in eight. So (laughs) I I always try to cut down my text as much as possible. Whereas women, I mean, you get me on the phone and we'll be on the phone for like two hours, but (laughs) you know, you you want me to type up an email, you're going to read that in 30 seconds. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I think that's important. Like knowing that, like you said, brevity is king, but then still having your own personality to add to it. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your wins. Share with us what, are, what you're most proud of accomplishing. You know, I'm, I'm most proud of the fact that I built this from nothing. I, I really started, my, my concept when I started the idea of having a website, I was like, well, how hard can it be? I mean, you just hire a web guy and, you know, and I, had, I knew what I kind of wanted and then he'll teach me how to use it and I'll just run from there. And that's not really how the world works when you're selling stuff online at all. And we can talk about many, many missteps and, and pro, you know, obstacles along the way. But what we've overcome in order to build and continue to build this business, and not only building a, a business that's healthy and strong, but now being seen as an influential character in that whole racing industry, I, I have to say that I'm pretty proud of that. That's a big win. Yeah, totally. What is something that most people don't know about what it took to accomplish that? they wouldn't know about all of the late nights of learning. You know, the the problem when I started was that I didn't even know what I didn't know. So if you're in a position where you don't even know what to type into Google, that's when you're, that's, that's hard. But if yeah. you can at least get going on the path, because what happened was, and, and maybe some women can relate to this. So I did this trade show, this racing trade show with my family, and there was a web guy there. And so I decided to work out a deal with him. You know, he supported the racing trade show. He made websites for, for some of these racing series and things and thought, hey, this would be somebody good to hire. You know, he's got a good looking websites and all of that. And so I wanted to hire him and I went ahead and paid him up front. And the first visit, because he lives like four hours away from me, so the first visit, and his wife was there, and I don't think anything of that, but that meeting was done, and later on, like two weeks later, he tells me that his wife saw me and wants to make sure that she's always present if we're going to work together. And Oh, goodness. Yeah, it was like that. And then he would drag his feet. He wouldn't get stuff done. Finally, I had to tell him like, dude, I'm going to show you either work on my website or I'm going to show up at your doorstep. Cause I didn't have any other recourse. I'd already paid him up front. Right. And so he sort of like, finally I did just go there. He said that would be a good idea, but I had to be gone before his wife came home. I, I know <laughs> we're both shaking our heads right now because right. it's ridiculous. And I just wanted to get my website done and it was about halfway finished. And when I, after I left there, he then later sent me an email because I was sending him more content and he sent me an email and says, you know, Kate, I've done all the work for you that I'm going to do. So here I was with a half finished website, no online store. I've already, I, my trade show job was done. I didn't actually have another job. And here I am, a web guy fires me. You know, what am I going to do? I couldn't afford to hire another web guy. This guy I've already put on my credit card. And yeah. We didn't know what to do. So from there, 
I just had to figure it out. I learned enough in that session with him to finish it enough to get it going. And then I started researching e-commerce. I landed on um, the big commerce platform and my website has had three major, major redesigns in those, um, in those last five and a half years. But we've actually had the exact same website for since January 2017. So we're at you know, over two years now, finally settled in and learned enough. But what people don't know is all of the, just all of the late nights and the hours and hours of learning. I actually have an assistant now and I tell him, you know, we, we kind of make a joke of it that I can teach him something in five minutes that took me three hours to learn. And it's not because I'm a slow learner. It's because I've learned everything about it. I know why we're clicking this button. I know how and what we're trying to achieve where he's just trying to, you know, like, how do I put an end screen on this video or how, how do I add text? And I can just show him, but it took me a process to learn it. And it's kind of, I think that's a part that nobody sees. It looks easy. It looks so easy. You see a picture or you see something and you just have an impression like, oh, this was just handed to them. But it's like, you have to put in a lot of work behind the scenes. Yeah. And then I taken so many courses and spent a whole lot of money. I think a big difference though, the difference between success and failure is not necessarily the knowledge. It's more about taking action. I'm so I'm really, you know, if I looked back now and if I knew what I didn't know back then, I would be like, oh my God, you're crazy. But I didn't question it. I just, you know, I like that. I like that quote that a true entrepreneur is someone who will jump off a cliff and then figure out how to build the plane on the way down. And, and that's totally. pretty much how I did my business. <laughs> totally. Sometimes you just have to have like fierce faith that it's going to happen and it's going to work out and pivot when it goes wrong, you know? Well, and the fact that I, it is good that I I have an education and I know that I'm employable. You know, if, if I decided I wanted to quit tomorrow, I could, you know, I, for me, freedom is a really a big concept in my life and what drives me is what's important to me. It's not that I want to, but that I can, you know, like I've always said, I'll, I don't drink and drive and you can appreciate this because law enforcement, <laughs> I don't because I wouldn't want to lose my license, you know, because there's always that idea that if I wanted to, I just pack up my car and leave. Not that I'm going to, but I can, you know, you have the, the option. Yes. Yes. Having those options open and freedom. And I, and I know that I'm employable, so I just don't worry about it. And uh, they also, people don't know that all of the nights of, you know, eating ramen noodles or living on credit cards for six months. And, and I don't want to sound like, you know, I, I was poor. I, I just put everything I had into that business. And I'm very, um, very proud of what we've accomplished because it's not just me. It's it's part of it is just building a really good team and understanding, you know, when I don't know something and, and just being able to try new things. There's so many things, I guess. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for sharing. Let's sure. talk a little bit about your struggles. So tell us about a time when you gave up, but now you wish you wouldn't have. Honestly, I've never been known as someone who gives up. I'm, I'm really somebody, I'm more known for being relentless and persistent and I will kick a dead horse. And so at some point I do realize that I am kicking a dead horse and I will stop. Um, really, my struggles are more hanging on longer than I should have. And most of that is going to be, you know, probably I was, I was married. I was unfortunately married to an alcoholic and there's just, there's just nothing you can do with that. I mean, I'm just being real and hanging on far too long. So, um, I guess it's not about giving up. It's about not giving up, not cutting your losses. And that sounds really bad when I say that about a person, but um, 
but the, but the truth is sometimes you just have to realize when you're wrong, I guess. Totally. And if it's not healthy for you, then it's not going to do you any good. And it's absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you hate the fact I never wanted to go down that road, but it, it is, it is what it is. And, and so that, yeah, that would probably be a, that's one of the struggles. I mean, on the business end, all of that's a lot of that's back to the web guy firing me and, and just being, you know, thrown out into the wilderness and then finding out six months later that my site was all built in iframes, which I didn't even know what that was a thing. And, and it was bad for SEO and, and that got me down the path of learning. So really anytime there's been struggles, it's, it's really like turned into growth. And so I really have to be grateful for the fact that there have been some struggles along the way because otherwise I'd have less to be proud of, I guess. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. You know, just taking, taking ownership of what you've gone through and then also making it something that you can be proud of. So we talked a little bit before the show and you said that you're not married. Have you experienced any societal norms or expectations about being married in your life? I sure have. You know, one thing that was interesting when I got divorced, um, I'm 40 something. Actually, that will be my na- my age for the rest of my life is 40 something <laughs> probably. But um, so what's really great at this age being 40 something is that it's far less. I mean, it's like you've either done it by now or you're not going to, right? And But in my 30s, when I was married and then shortly at some point, of course, I was divorced. I did have the opportunity, my stepson decided to live with me for a couple of years. So I had him from the time he was 13 to 16. And that really fulfilled that idea of, of like nurturing someone else, you know, nurturing another human being and, and mentoring them. At that point, you're more of a mentor. You know, I'm not really a mommy type. I'll just be real. (laughs) I mean, I'm not a you know, I'm not a, oh my God, let me kiss the babies. You know, I'm like, oh, your kid wants to drive. Hey, let's, you know, let me take them out and we'll have a good time. <laughs> you know, like that, that's more, I mean, I'm more of a mentor and I, it's, what's really great at this age now, now that I don't experience that as much, but I've also reached a point in my life finally where previous to this, I've had amazing mentors throughout my whole life. And I'm so grateful for all of the you know, just all of that knowledge. I mean, I've gone from one boss. It's not that I've had that many jobs, but we all move, life changes, things like that. But I can say that each of those was a mentor in their own way. And I was so grateful. And then here I am now as a business owner. And then I finally understand what it's like. And you get that feeling of, okay, I have achieved something. You know, I'm not, I'm not top of the hill. I'm not king of the mountain or anything, but I've achieved something. And now it's time for me to want to offer that to others. And I have, you know, now with my assistant, he's, he's 21. He's actually my boyfriend's son. And I've seen him grow up in the last, you know, six years. So I've known him since he was 15. Now he's my video editor. It's his first year as a race car driver. And I've helped him get sponsorship for his race team. And, and that is, that really fills that um, part of, I don't want to say void or need, because it's not like I I was fine without it. But then the other piece of it is I also am able, because I've learned about marketing, I can also take and I can share these pieces of knowledge with anybody in the whole world, you know, by the videos that I do on YouTube or putting things on my blog that I don't know who I'm reaching, you know, and whether that person is, is 13 or or, or 55, it doesn't matter. We can all use a mentor. We're not really determined by age. 
And I know that I help people because I get the messages and they're like, you know, so thankful for your videos. Thank you for your information. And, and so that's, I guess that's where I'm at. I'm again, not a mommy type, but I'm a mentor and I've just found a different way to channel it. So what would you suggest for somebody trying to find a mentor? I think what makes it so that people wanted to mentor me, I mean, it was never official, like I am your mentor and you're my mentee. It was, you know, I was a boss, but I was curious. I wanted to learn more. I'd never showed up at a job just to be somebody who punches a clock. I mean, even when I worked in restaurants, I think it starts from day one. I mean, you know, when we look at the job relationship, if you're in a job and whoever your boss is, but, um, one thing I've noticed in other people is that anytime I have a job and maybe somebody calls and they're like, Hey, you know, uh, do you do such and such? When I would answer the phone, even if it was my day, first day on the job, I would say, you know what? I'm not sure how we do it here. Um, or if, you know, later on I'd be like, yeah, we, we do it this way or this way. The difference is that other people would answer the phone and say, you know what? I'm not sure what they do. You know, when you separate yourself as you versus them, then you're really showing a separation from those around you. Now, I think the same thing happened with back to this mentor question is I've always been inquisitive. I've always been curious. I've always wanted to know more. And I also think that probably my biggest superpower out of everything is my, gra my gratitude. And it's not fake. It is absolutely real. I mean, one of my first jobs, I was a traveling salesman. I traveled all over the country. I lived in hotels. I know, and the boss, we had traveled with us and she was, she was a woman and we happened to wear the same shoe size and she loved going shopping. So she'd buy all kinds of like, just all kinds of stuff. And then her hand-me-downs were things that, you know, she wore three times and she would give me, you know, shoes or clothes or, or whatever. And it wasn't until years later, it's not that I was like the favorite, you know, not that I was like her pet or anything. I wasn't a suck up or a brown nose, none of those things. What I learned years later, and I didn't even consider it or think about it for a moment, but someone else told me, do you know why she likes to give you all that stuff? And I said, no, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe she likes me. She goes, no, it's because you're grateful. Because anytime she gives you something, you are so grateful to have that, that it makes her feel good in order to, when she gives it to you. Right. And, and that is so huge. And being on the giving end now, yeah, there's nothing that is more irritating to me than the lack of gratitude. And I, but I do think that's probably, it's an inherent quality that I have, but it can be cultivated as well. Um, but it's an inherent quality I have. And I think that's why people have wanted to work with me because I am grateful for their attention. I'm grateful for their knowledge. I'm grateful that they would share with me. I'm grateful for their time. I mean, every bit of that. And I don't think that other people demonstrate that as much. So if you're looking for a mentor, start with, start with being interested and being grateful. Yeah. And I would also say, you know, give before you take, you know, Always. And always people can always. sense that and feel that yep and mm -hmm. how have you cultivated that you talked about when people talk on the phone like a you versus them kind of thing how mm -hmm. have you cultivated it in your company so that there's not a divide between people you hire and your customers well honestly we we uh i'm the one who answers the phone so okay. i don't have to worry about that nice. i but right. i just still operate my business from a cell phone you know, at some point, you know, there, our growth is going to outstrip that and I'll have to figure that out. And, and that will probably be one of the lessons in the training 
you know, just to say, Hey, let me ask. I'm not sure how we do that. I'm not sure if we can do that. It, it will definitely have the we conversation anytime I'm hiring someone to, to do that for me. Yeah. So important that they um, are able to cultivate the company culture. Definitely. So let's switch and talk a little bit about mindset. Tell me about your mindset and how that has led to your badassery. Okay. Uh, my mindset is I am positive. Two things that I rely on are gratitude and Google. <laughs> <laughs> the two G's. The two G's. In fact, it's even a post-it note right here. I, I've been talking about doing a video on it. So, so gratitude and Google. Um, I like to say that you're, you're only a Google search away. I mean, I, I can't even tell you. I think, I think people do think that at some point you should just know all the answers or they think it for themselves. Like, hey, if I don't have, know all the answers, I'm not good enough. I honestly cannot tell you how many Google searches I do in a day. It's a lot. So do you have any tips or tricks how someone else can improve their mindset? Since we've talked so much about gratitude, I don't necessarily have a gratitude journal, but I have done it in the past. Just because I'm positive doesn't mean I don't get down sometimes because I do. I can get, I can have so many ideas and I get overwhelmed or I see the level of detail that's involved with a task that I'm taking on and, and I can get overwhelmed or you know, you can get where it rains every day for a week or we all have down times and that just happens. But every time something like that happens, that's when I do get out my journal and I write down the five things I'm most grateful for. And I will do that every day until I, you know, until I'm feeling hundred percent again. Can you share one of your greatest mindset hacks for confidence and self-esteem? I would say I love to look at like quotes and mantras you know, like I like posting those quotes on Instagram, you know, maybe scrolling through or you find a quote or get on a topic. Um, one of the fun things that I do is I have a sign in my office and I change the sign every week and, it, and I always like to have something positive on it. You know, something like, you know, have a winning attitude or um, I actually have a sign in my office that my boyfriend, he has a laser etching machine and and, and I, I can look around and there's always something to make me smile. I've got obsessed is a word the lazy use to describe the dedicated is a giant sign on my wall. And I like to surround myself with a little ridiculous thing sometimes like, like my Wonder Woman lunchbox or um, my goofy, like geeky glasses that I have on my wall. I, I think having little reminders of being fun and that it, you, just that little bit of fun in a life is a, is a good way of having positivity, something to smile when you look at it. So you've talked a couple times about positivity. Have you always been positive or did you make changes to make yourself positive? Part of that was the fact that when I got out of high school and I became the traveling salesman, sales is all about positivity. It, it really is. And so it was kind of drilled into me, you know, back in those days, I mean, cause we're talking, I'm going to age myself here, but between 90 and 95. And so those, those speakers that were available, that's back when Tony Robbins was selling, you know, CDs or actually cassettes back in the way back in the day. So I, you know, I did have a lot of those early references, some of Tony Robbins, but one of my favorites was Zig Ziglar. Um, I love, I love him and I, in finding some particular words to, to live by Dr. Wayne Dyer, a, a quote that really resonated with me. And this was back when I was 18 or 19 years old is he said, you are the sum total of the choices you make in your life. 
And when you, when you can really own that, I, th- I think the difference in how you can become positive is number one, being accountable and taking ownership. And I don't blame anything for anybody for anything that's happened in my life. It is what it is. Things, bad things will happen. It, they just will. But in other, how am I going to make choices? You know, you, you can accept the bad things and they are what they are. But our choices, if we start blaming our choices on somebody else and start doing a cop out there, that's where I think a problem happens. I think accountability, accountability is huge, huge, huge with me. And I think part of that leads to positivity because if you can own your bad decisions, then you can really own your good decisions and you can get behind those and you can, you can really play to your strengths rather than just focusing on your weaknesses. And there's just no point in the negativity. There really isn't. Totally agree. Um, And then just taking, you know, just taking ownership of it rather than beating yourself up over something, just be objective about your bad and your good decisions and move forward. Absolutely. Do you have a mantra or a meditation practice? I do not. Uh, Again, it's, it's one of those things that I'd like to, but I, kind of try to do sometimes and I, I go through cycles. <laughs> I hear you. <ya. laughs> tell you that I'm this like amazing, consistent with everything person, but I'm being real. I'm not. I, I really don't. Okay, let's transition and talk about tips. Sure. If you could share one tip that you wish every female knew about, what would it be? You know, honestly, one tip I would have would be to just, again, own it and being accountable. I, I'll tell you a story. And back when, uh, when I first started my business, nobody really knew that there was a girl who was running this website selling race car parts. Well, and I went to my first digital marketing conference about six months later. And I went to a couple of the sessions we're talking about video. And this is back in 2014. And they were talking about how powerful it was and, and how you could get so, many, so much more reach with video and how it was going to be the thing of the future. And you need to be on the video wagon train, right? And I, I was so incredibly inspired by that. I was like, we need video. I need video for the website. I need video for the website. The thing is, nobody else would get in front of a video camera. So it came down to the fact that if I wanted video, it was going to have to be me. And I was really, I was really scared at that point. And I was like, like, here I am, I'm 40 something. I'm not thin, you know, so I'm, I'm slightly overweight. I'm middle-aged. I'm a woman like, you know, wow, nobody's going to listen to me. I, I'm not even authority. Like, I don't know anything. I just know smart people. But here was the thing. I had a choice. Am I going to live in that fear or how bad did I want video? I wanted it that bad. And then what I did was I turned the tables on myself and I still struggle sometimes with getting on video, even though I've shot at this point, I've shot over 300 videos in the last few years. Um, but I, I still, you know, I wonder, but I was so worried that people were going to like make fun of me for being fat or old or a woman or whatever, but I did it anyway. And the takeaway or how I was able to sell it to myself, I said, here's the deal you know, yeah, sure. I'm the slightly overweight middle-aged woman selling race car parts, but nobody who's watching this would think for a second that somebody hired me as a spokesmodel. Honestly, it's to my advantage that I'm not, you know, uh, 20 years old, 105 pounds and blonde. You know, if I was that, they absolutely wouldn't take me seriously. 
And I, I remembered what it was like to not be taken seriously when I was younger. So I just owned it. And I think that would be my advice. Own whatever, whatever your thing is, just own it. And to this day, 300 videos later, no one has ever said anything about my weight or that I'm a woman. I think I've had one, if you can even call it a slightly negative comment, I've, I've had, you know, I've had a few like, um, gosh, why did you ask that question instead of that one? You know, criticisms, I would say, you know, mm -hmm. sort of criticisms. And what's funny on Facebook, because I built such an audience that loves me, they've actually like instantly shut the guy down. So, nice. you know, we're talking like two comments out of thousands of comments, hundreds of videos. So, you know, really that idea of fear, don't let fear hold you back. Don't, whatever story you're telling yourself about whether you're too young or too old or, you know, too gray or too fat or too thin. And those are things that we tell ourselves as women all of the time. Totally. And it really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But today, what people really, really crave is they crave authenticity. They want to deal with people who are real and who are genuine. And whatever your thing is, own it. Just be it. What I loved about that is it sounds like you listen to your passion over, you, over your excuses. It's so oh. easy to make our excuses about how we look or one thing or another, but yet you just listen to your passion and what excited you and led with that. Absolutely. And, and I, I love the idea of failure, which is kind of a crazy thing too. And the idea of failure is if you don't actually work to fail, then you'll never know how hard, how far you could go. And, and a story I love to tell is that when I was, when I was younger, I didn't grow up as a skier. I, I grew up in Iowa, you know, where like there, there are no mountains in Iowa, in Iowa, <laughs> you know, in the, mid, in the Midwest. So and as an adult, I was going to mountains. I was learning how to ski. So the first time, of course, you're on the tow rope, you know, going up, you know, I don't know. It's probably a rise of about five feet or something. And then you go to the bunny hill. And after learning just some of the basics, you know, obviously you'd want to push myself. And so I didn't get a chance to go like all the time or anything. But when I went, I, I remember a time being done skiing and remember that I didn't crash at all that time. You know, and some people would think, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I, I've made so much progress and this is great. But to me, not crashing was a failure. And let me tell you why. Because I, I pushed myself ever since then is that when I would go skiing, I would, I would want one epic monumental crash, at least one. <laughs> and at the same time, I'm going down the mountain and, and telling myself as I go back and forth down the mountain, like, I have no health insurance. I have no health insurance. I have no health insurance. I didn't want to get hurt. I just wanted to crash because if I didn't crash, that meant that I didn't try hard enough. I mean, if you stay on the bunny hill forever, that's all the better you're ever going to be. So I, I use that same mantra in everything in my life. There's no landing anywhere. I mean, thank goodness we have GPS systems because, you know, finally it's like you have arrived, you know, the rest of your life, it's just a journey. It's a mission. And it's always going to be more to explore, more to try. I totally agree with the failure uh, stuff. If you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. But kudos to you because it's a little bit harder when there's an 
possible injury insight? <laughs> I know. Well, I, okay, that was in my 20s. I am going to preface all of that. It was in my 20s. Again, I'm 40-something. I'm, I'm less inclined to uh, take on a physical challenge anymore. I try to limit them to, like, digital challenges. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> How do you get inspired and stay motivated? Um, really learning new things. I, I read a lot. I... I really probably read more on the internet than anything. I'm on so many email lists and I I'm just someone who even learns a little tidbit and then it sends me down a rabbit hole. And then that in, inspires me to even learn more or to try something new to see what happens, you know, because if you already know where you are, where you are, then you, you can really free yourself up to try other things. And so just trying new things keeps me, keeps me inspired and motivated. I know it's not the thing for everybody. Uh, I think when people, I talk to people about how much tech I use and how many apps and how I'm always trying something new, like they're, they just don't understand, they just don't get it. And that I'm always going to have a taste for taste for new because I like also like to say we're talking about lots of my quotes today is I I do like to say the only thing you can count on in life is change and that's the only constant in life is change and so you know that's it so it's going to change so you might as well just go ahead and either be part of that change or adapt you know if something's great go with it but I have yet to find any one perfect solution for anything online especially selling in the online space Nothing does absolutely everything. Yep. And everybody that you ask can probably have a different way to do it too. <laughs> I think if people just started to do something that they wanted to do, they don't have to know the whole big picture. Just figure it out one step at a time. A lot of this stuff is so complex and you don't even realize the complexity until you get started. That's really the only way. It is putting one foot in front of another. It's you cannot go from like trying to learn addition and subtraction to doing calculus. But if you right. do it one step at a time, before you know it, like I don't even realize it until I'm talking to like other entrepreneurs or marketers. I don't even realize that I'm on that level because I took it one little baby step at a time. And, and then of course I'm able to teach people things and this isn't a brag. I, I, I just learn a lot and I, I, I try lots of stuff. I'm wrong a lot and it's, it's okay though doesn't yeah. matter. And mm -hmm. you work hard to get there, you know? Yeah. So let's Absolutely. talk a little bit about badass advice. And this is more kind of rapid fire questions. What was your turning point for accomplishing your goals and becoming a badass? Okay. I, I'm sorry. This is not going to be rapid fire. <laughs> when I knew that I was a badass. Okay. When I launched my website, I honestly thought I was going to make more money from advertising than I was. I like we were adding the store as an add-on and I was really going to do tech articles and do advertising, but we pivoted. As soon as the store started to take off, we just went down that direction. And my, um, my process when I was selling advertising at first was if somebody told me no, my next call was to their biggest competitor. And that's how I operated. But then as a store, you know, I was wanted to be a dealer for, you know, several of these different companies and I was told no. So what did I do? I doubled down on the people who are loyal to me. I doubled down on promoting their stuff. So probably a year after a year, year and a half, something like that. One of the companies that had told me no at one point, I was selling their competitor's product and pushing the absolute heck out of it. And they contacted me and they were like, Hey, um, you know, what do you think about maybe selling our product? <laughs> I was, it's, 
the moment that I was able to say, well, actually I contacted you guys and you said you didn't really want anything to do with me. I, I didn't know y'all would be interested. When I was able to do that, that's when I knew that I was a badass. And it was after that, that companies, instead of me seeking them out and begging to be a dealer, I, it was after that it kind of snowballed and other companies started contacting me to tell me that their product would be a good fit for my store. I, I knew I was a badass at that point. Yeah, it sounds like you use their rejection to kind of fuel your fire. I like it. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do you have a morning or evening routine that you can share with us? Remember how I said like I go in cycles? I would love to tell you that I do. I kind of do sometimes, but honestly, I really, really don't. I just go in cycles and I try new things and I'm, I am sucky at doing routines. I'm a batch. Um, I'm not good at maintenance. I'm good at projects. So for me, I've got to take something on and, and then that becomes like takes over my life for, you know, a period of time. And then we switch gears and on to the next thing. And so, no, I do not. I hear you. It's kind of the ebbs and flows of life, you know? <laughs> it is. It is. Yes. Can you list one thing that you have learned from a woman in your life? I would say being persistent, that persistence pays off and that the fortune is in the follow-up. You know, don't listen to the first time people tell you no, um, or don't put no into their mouths. You know, don't assume anything. We, we as women do tend to be a little more, um, more compliant is not really the right word, but we'll, we'll settle in. Like we want a strong yes, but anything else we would take as a no, I will take everything as a yes. And you, you, you got to really tell me no, you, you got to tell me no, Kate, stop. I never want to do this. I never want to talk to you again. That's pretty clear to me. But if, if you tell me like, oh, I'll get back to you or let me think about it. All of that is an open door. And so I think that's what I've learned from is being persistent and that the fortune is in the follow-up. So you said don't put no in other people's mouth. Can you give me an example of that? Um, well, I would say that, for instance, if, if you send an email to someone and you're asking whatever your thing that you're asking, whether you're selling advertising or, or of course, I talk about sponsorships, if they don't respond, a lot of people, and this is men and women, if, a, if the person doesn't respond, they'll just take that as a no right? Instead of following up and saying, hey, Kate, I know you're really busy and I'm not sure. I sent you an email, you know, and, and in case you missed it, here's a copy of it or call me on the phone. You know, something like that, they'll follow up. The fact that they, people don't follow up, it's because they've already, they've already accepted a no that doesn't even exist. It, I mean, things end up in my junk email all the time that if a person called me, I mean, I do check it like a couple times a week, but I mean, that's just an example of, of allowing the world to tell us no, when it's really not that at all. It, it, it's, it could be, it could end up being a no, but if we give it, if we allow it to be a no before we ever really try, then we are leaving a whole lot of opportunities on the table. Yeah, that's, so true. I think sometimes people need to see things or hear it more than once too, before they make a decision or before it clicks like, oh yeah, I want to do that. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And sometimes some people just don't answer a first email from a stranger or maybe they didn't recognize the name and deleted it because I know, I mean, when I wake up in the morning, I wake up, I'm looking right now, there's 105 emails in my inbox and that's just from today. I was shooting some videos, so I didn't get a chance to just like live in my inbox all day. 
I'm, when I go through my inbox, I'm going to be brutal. And if I don't recognize it, I could just delete it without even realizing what I've done. So yeah, if, if someone, I could miss an opportunity and somebody else could be missing an opportunity, whatever kind, I mean, it really doesn't matter what the thing is, right. you know, yep. whatever. Mm-hmm. Can you share a habit or a practice that has contributed to your success? I would say persistence and being relentless. Um, I've always tracked things. I, I like tracking things. It's, it's just a, it's a weird little geeky <laughs> kind of a thing, right? And so when I'm, when I'm on a mission to what we ever know what kind of mission I'm on at any moment in time, whether it was selling advertising or of course being in the list builders uh, type of program last month, it was inviting people to our email list. And so, I mean, I was tracking everything, you know, how many people did I contact and what did they say back or, oh, they didn't, they didn't get back to me. So, okay, round two. All right. I'm going to ask them again. You know, I'm going to ask them again and again and again until they tell me no is what's going to happen or, or realize that maybe they, you know, maybe I'll do a little research and, you know, there's, there's a, maybe they, something has happened. I don't know, but, uh, um, I would say just tracking about what's going on and tracking any aspect of my business. That is, it's huge. Absolutely. Because you don't, if you don't know where you are, then you don't know where you're going. I mean, I do it relentless. I am relentless with tracking. I can, I know what my sales were, um, month over month, year over year. I I'm constantly looking at this stuff, the how, what's my open rate on my email? How do we improve that? And if you track it, then you can, if you're, it shows that you're paying attention. It, it, I do track so many things. Um, I wish, wish I was better. Now on the challenging side, I'm really bad at the whole like health and fitness. And I'd like to say I'm awesome at that, but I really am terrible there. If, and I try, but no, I'm not very good at that. But business wise, I'm really good at that. What is your favorite way to track things? Is it by a certain app or you just use an Excel program, Microsoft Word, journal? It really depends on the thing. So for instance, if there are goals that I'm trying to reach, then I will put up pieces of paper around my office. So my original goal for this year, for instance, was I wanted to double my sales. I really did want to hit that million dollar mark with my business when I started the year. A few months in, I realized how much more work, like how much more scaling that was going to be. And so I really dialed back and I didn't want to go quite that far, but I figured out, like I did a whole sheet and did it in like Excel and said, okay, so if we, we have to double sales each month or double the number of orders, you know, what was it last year? What would it have to be this year? And then I write it down every single month. How many orders did we have and how much, how much sales did we have and what's that running total? And yes, we have growth, you know, it's, it's not what I originally was setting out to do, but I, I, I purposely dialed it back. So, I mean, it, it's not like I'm not achieving a goal because we're still going to beat last year's sales. So that's an example. I like to have it in front of me somewhere. I'm also a person that if you use a coffee pot every day, then it should be on the counter and I can't understand. I mean, it's cool that, you know, like clean counters at, at, uh, that are all cleared off and look like a magazine. That's all fine and dandy, but I like to have all my tools and all my, I always say I like my toys within, you know, arm's reach. So I have different things in my office right now. Like, you know, again, list building, I, I have, I'm tracking that. So that's on a post-it note on my, on my uh, computer right here. I have my sales tracking um, on my wall that I update every month. And then other stuff is digital. It just depends on what the time frame is. 
And when you're tracking people, like people that you're contacting, that, that I use Excel for. I like it. Personally, I keep things simple, so <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> Super simple, yes, definitely. What do you wish everyone knew about either confidence or overcoming obstacles? That is such a great topic. I would say that we are way more afraid of what we think could possibly happen than what actually would. And that the best way to overcome obstacles and to boost confidence is just to take action. Even if it's imperfect action, but taking action. You know, and one example I can give you is, is it's so weird. I, I, even though I've shot so many videos, anytime I'm getting ready to do a, a to shoot some video, I do get nervous all over again. I got to check my lipstick like five times and drink, get sips of water and go to the bathroom. And I, I can procrastinate my way. A, procrastination is a superpower. I mean, when it comes <laughs> to that. But what I find is that once, once I get going, if I can just make myself do that first one, then it's, I'm good from there. And it's, it's just taking the action. I don't know what the heck I'm afraid of. I really have no reason to be afraid. I have no idea why I still get nervous, but I do. And the only way to get over it is just to simply take action. That's it. Take action. How often do you read? And can you recommend a book and share why? Sure. Yeah. Um, it, again, I go through cycles. <laughs> I would say one that's been my favorite here recently, I have a couple, um, would be the, um, the subtle art of not giving an F. Uh -huh. But here's, here's the point of it, though, is that we give a lot of weight to stuff that doesn't matter. So it's not about not giving a, a, a darn about anything out there. What it is, is that we need to save our, our darns for things that are actually important. And, it, and things that are important, go all in and care. Give it every, every bit that you got. But for the other stuff that just doesn't, doesn't matter, like stop wasting time on that. And I think that's the biggest point of the book. And that was a really good one. Another one that I would recommend, and, and I would almost say read two of them in, in tandem. And the author is Paulo Coelho. And he was, he's, his famous book is The Alchemist. And mm -hmm. it's a wonderful story. I don't actually read a lot of fiction. I read a lot of business books, but I don't read much fiction. And in this story, the, the cool part about the story is he's a Brazilian author and he'd written this book and he'd gotten it out. And I think this, he found a publisher and he'd sold like three copies, something so silly, but he so believed in this book. Before that, he was an engineer and he believed in it. And so he, um, at some point, the publisher said, you know, we're not going to make any of your books and here you can just have the rights to it. Do whatever the heck you want with it. We don't care. It's just a loser anyway. Well, he had it published in, in another language, obviously in English, because at some point, I believe it was a, it was a president. I believe it was Bill Clinton. Well, there was a picture taken of him um, reading that book or having that book in his hand and it just blew up. And now this Paulo Coelho is the one of the, he is the most popular author from Brazil, like ever. It's this, it's been translated in so many languages, whatever. It is a wonderful story. I mean, yes, for one, I gave you three. <laughs> hey, I like it. It's so funny because I've heard the subtle art of not getting given an F. I've heard that for, I don't know, like three times this week. So I better oh. read it. <laughs> nice. Yes, yeah. you will. You will. <laughs> I, I, I think it's, it's a fun read. 
Um, it's written in such a conversational tone that it's enjoyable to read. Um, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. So let's end with a tip to empower women and share how the audience can connect with you. A tip is be authentic, be yourself. Um, you have so much to offer. Uh, you know, be who you are. Don't, don't worry about trying to be like anybody else out there. Be you, own it, and you know, amplify it. Make it big and share it with the world because you know, everybody does have something special about them that they can share. And, and I just want to encourage you to do that and, and not hold back or don't try to be anybody else. It just doesn't work anymore. And how you can connect with me, my website is katedillon.com. I actually have a helpful uh, download now. I just did here recently. It's called um, the five, like five of my favorite apps that I use for creating social media posts because I do lots of social media. And that one can be downloaded at katedillon.com forward slash five dash apps, A-P-P-S. So the number five dash A-P-P-S. So, yeah. Okay, great. And I will be sure to put that in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah. Kate, thank you so much. You've been a total badass and I've enjoyed hearing your story. With that, we'll end our show. And to all the badass women out there staying in the arena, whatever you are doing, own it and get after it. Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, OrdinaryToBadass.com slash podcast and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future spotlight episode of the show. That's OrdinaryToBadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt and get back in the arena.